Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Manahan does a great job in uh, play call and scheme and getting the guys in, in a lot of different spots. Um, you know, their defense is very solid and fundamental. Uh, big guys up front, linebackers can really run, some good corners. So uh, it'll be a heck of a test for us. All right, Mackie and Judd today, at least for hour one, is Zolgan and Scoggins. And Chip Scoggins, that, that of course, was the voice of Viking coach Mike Zimmer talking about uh, the week one game. It is finally here after four preseason games, after many, many practices uh, that became mind-numbing to a certain degree, a TCO Performance Center. Um, I'm going to give you a stat that I that I looked, I looked this up. So Ziggy Wilf bought the Vikings in 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, we obviously, for the Star Tribune, combined on coverage for a few of those years since he bought the team. Uh, anyway, when Kirk Cousins starts a quarterback on Sunday, by my count, he will become the, since 2005, so in the Wilf era of Viking football, he will become the 17th quarterback <laughs> to start a game for this team since 2005. Yeah, it's crazy. I did a... Uh... I did a column on Kyle Rudolph during training camp, and he was telling me this is his, uh, what, seventh, eighth year. Mm-hmm. When he catches a pass from Cousins, that will be his 10th different quarterback that he's caught a pass from in a game. Okay, so he, he goes back to when? What what year was he drafted? Do you recall? Uh, well, my, was it, uh, this is his eighth season, so would it be 11? Okay, so since 2011. Or 10. Let's see. Since 2011, your your quarterback list includes Christian Ponder. Uh, actually, the first six games of 2011 McNabb. were started by McNabb. Yep. That's exactly right. 2012, you had stability. Christian Ponder, 16 games. 2013, Matt Castle starts six. Christian Ponder starts nine. Josh Freeman starts one. Mm-hmm. 2014, Bridgewater uh, starts 12. Castle starts three. Ponder starts one. 2015, Teddy started all 16. Stability was back until 2016 when Teddy gets hurt. So it's Bradford for 15 and Sean Hill for one. And then last year it was uh, Sam started two. Case Keenum started now, 14. Did, did he catch a pass from Joe Webb? Uh, let's see. The last time Joe Webb played, that's entirely possible. The last time Joe Webb, yeah, Joe Webb, I think he played, I think he got into a game in mm-hmm. 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the... But think that, about that list. Think 17. about that list. And and then I thought How about How many years this. is that? 
So that goes back five, to... Five is what, 13? Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 this year. 17 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brad Johnson, Dante Culpepper in 2005. Brad Johnson, Tavares Jackson, and then getting into games in 2006 in the first year under Brad Childress, Brooks Bollinger. 2007, Tavares for 12 games, Kelly Holcomb for three, and Bollinger started, I think it was the one game at Green Bay where they absolutely got obliterated. 2008, Gus Farratt for 11 and Tavares for five. 2009, Brett Favre. 2010, Favre for 13, Webb started two, Tavares started one, and then I told you in 11, McNabb started the first uh, six games, and then Ponder came in in that game in Chicago. And think about um, all... (laughs) This leads to a point. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. We get the point, John. (laughs) Think about all the different circumstances that uh, forced that many quarterbacks. Uh, Some you missed on, obviously. Ponder. Yep. Injuries that you couldn't uh, account for. Teddy, Sam Bradford. Uh, the Favre was the all-in. Hey, let's go get a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were just, you knew we were going to be a stopgap going into it. Just a bridge to get you to a, a draft pick. And so it's it's run the gamut. And this is why you go out and spend $84 million. That's, that's the point. The, the point was going to be, the point of actually this entire exercise is exactly that. Bravo to the Vikings. Because this is the first time in how long that you've gone into a season and you said, now Teddy, you sort of felt I that Teddy, way. Yeah. I got to give him that, but yeah. then his knee blows up. But this is the first time that veteran wise, you've had a quarterback in this town in since Culpepper, right? Yeah. yeah. Dante, Dante had stability, but after that, because Bridgewater, you felt confident in, but then he got hurt so quickly yeah. the next year. I think you. There were still some. There were still some reservations about whether Teddy was the guy long term. But I still think, in their mind, he was the guy long term. Now, whether he was going to be a, you know, a top ten quarterback or whatever he he was going to develop. But yeah, this is a this is the first time since Dante where you felt like okay, barring something you know catastrophic happen, right for the next four years, here is our quarterback, and this is and and a, and a veteran guy who we know what we're going to get from, or you know some reasonable sense of what, what you're going to get from him. Um, and so they just, the the lack of stability at that position has been it's remarkable. Inc- it's incredible. Yeah. When, when you consider that for the most part, other than injury to Rodgers on occasion, that the Green Bay Packers have had ultimate stability at the quarterback position for the most part since 1992. Yeah, and in... Until Luck ran into Andrew Luck ran into his arm problems, you can say anything about the Colts too. You went from Peyton Manning to, to Andrew Luck, um, and so some of these franchises, a couple of them at least, all they know is stability and mm-hmm. high level. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you're talking about 17 quarterbacks in 13 years is just it's impossible to sustain anything doing that. What was okay of all the the Vikings quarterbacks you've covered? Mm-hmm. Who was the one that you looked at and said, "I can't believe I'm being forced to watch this one"? Ooh, I've got I've got the quick one, but it's too but it's too probably Joe Webb. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. I was going to say the Freeman start, but that oh, was so yeah. but that was so fleeting. I mean, yeah. that was never going to last. I I honestly <laughs> I think I honestly shook my head probably the most, um, and I think uh, it, it was still. Seaford and I for the strip covering the beat when uh, Kelly Holcomb Kelly started. Holcomb, yeah. When they got Kelly Holcomb from Philadelphia because Brad figured, Chili yeah. figured he can fit my, he knows my system. 
And I watched Kelly Holcomb start, and I thought, this isn't even yeah. close to being well, realistically workable. We've covered a lot of bizarre things and games with the Vikings, but the Josh Freeman Monday night, it was it a Monday night or Sunday night? But it was a Monday night a Monday game night. at that Giants one, Stadium. That one was, felt like Twilight Zone. Because as it went on, you're like, what exactly is happening here? <laughs> like, what, what is this? I'll tell you What's, what it was. There, there's something, there's messages being sent. Utter panic. <laughs> Well, it was Spielman and Frazier in, 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 a, duel, on the same page in a duel of panic. <laughs> well, Frazier, if something was happening that we will never, maybe we'll never know, but somebody was sending a message. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you recall, uh, going into the 2011 season, when, when Les and Rick had sort of shared powers, Les's whole thing was, I need another veteran QB. Go get me a veteran, which was McNabb, mm. who showed up looking like a left guard. <laughs> And threw a lot of bounce passes. Yeah, oh, yeah, to to poor <laughs> Shanko. And then, uh, and then Rick said, "No, I'm going to draft one." But between the two of them, yeah. they both got it so damn wrong. It wasn't even nobody even came close to actually getting the answer right. But I remember th- that next day in the in uh, Frazier's uh, Monday presser. I mean, the whole thing was. Less like who signed off on having Josh Freeman throw fifty five passes or whatever the number was? I mean, he was here a week, right? Yes. Three days, and we're gonna have him throw yes. forty eight passes. Like, and the answer was, I'd still like to know to this day what was no the idea. answer. I I can't even remember, but I don't. I, what do you say that we thought he was ready, or I, I can't even remember what it was. The, but I think, yeah. my heart of hearts, they were saying, okay, you want a veteran quarterback? Here you go. We're gonna let him. We're gonna let him throw the ball. Okay, the only twist and he was throwing it in the stands. Oh, like, I know. Well, it was it was just sailing all over. It, it became a comedy. Yeah, like it was it was sad to watch and it was pathetic, but it became a comedy. The only thing I'll tell you about Josh Freeman, and this is what I've never figured out, is in 2009 when he was coming out of K State. Hmm. My understanding was Rick loved him, and Rick wanted to draft him, and he didn't fall, and so Percy did fall, and they took Percy, yeah. who Childress loved. But I've all. But the only thing with Freeman where I've never completely known to if I can absolve Rick is his fascination with Josh Freeman in 2009 was such that that I've always believed that somehow he was involved in the decision to be like, well, Josh Freeman's out there. Let's go get him. Let's try this. Yeah. But well, you look at his. I mean, if you look just like the physical part of the size and all that, yep. you're like, all right. But there's a lot more to it than that. So here's my question for you. Yeah. On a so this is this is the Vikings are coming off their most successful season since two thousand nine. What is your level of confidence in this team, Chip Scoggins, going into the opener on Sunday as opposed to and at this time wipe away everything that happened? All right, mm-hmm. but in two thousand ten, in two thousand ten, when when that team returned, I believe every starter, including Favre. What is your level of confidence going into the game for Sunday as opposed to what it was going into the Thursday night opener in 2010 when we all had expectations? I think it's it's very similar. That In 2010, I had no reason to think, even though they had to drag him off the farm and put him on the private plane, Farr had played at such a high level the year before, you weren't thinking, well, he's just going to fall off a cliff now because look at how he played that year in 2009. He had one of his best seasons statistically, maybe his best. MVP type season. Yeah, he, I mean, and and so you're thinking, okay, um, everybody's back except, uh, you know, maybe the the warning we should seen with Sydney with yeah. showing up and, and needing surgery. Yep. Um, but even so, you still had Adrian, you still had Percy, you had all these guys that were back. and um, So I had a very high level of confidence that, okay, they're all in, they're going to make another run at it. And I feel the same way with this team. 
offensive line, that's that's the one area where you're concerned. And you're like, okay, I don't know how good they are, and that's that's kind of the key to this. But um, you look at that defense; they should be a top three defense, I think. You're adding Dalvin Cook back to the mix. You got two really good wide receivers, a good tight end, you know, a franchise quarterback, and so my I think my expectations are the same. This is if you don't get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be a disappointing season. I'm with you on the line completely. That frustrates me, and I don't get it. But besides that, where I think Spielman did learn a little bit from 2010 to now is is I really like the fact that they did not say, this team was really good. Let's try to bring guys back. I like that. Yeah, They went out and got a quarterback. And, and as difficult as the Robinson cut probably was internally, I think it's absolutely the right move. The, the, the difference, um, Judd, is... That was a last hurrah for that team. That team got very old. They were old coming back. Their nucleus, their best players were mid-30s, some late-30s, quarterback 40. (laughs) Uh, This team, their nucleus is 27 to 30, 31. So it's not like that that window was very... uh, open just just a hair. You had to do it this year. You knew it was going to get torn apart and and, and blown up after that season. This one, you feel like, okay, here's their window. Yep. They, their nucleus is together for a while now, three, four years, until you have to kind of uh, recycle the roster. And I, I recall going back to 2010, we all thought at that time, well, this is great. They're, br- they're bringing guys back. That team was good. And the one the one thing that I learned that year was football players, and I should have known this, but I didn't, I didn't uh, th- think it through, Football players age so quickly, yeah. and you can't you can't necessarily recapture. Football might be the toughest sport to try and recapture glory of a year past. It is, but but in in defense of them, I don't think you could have looked at that and said, "Well, that was it. We're going to blow her up. We we had we tried. I it, it didn't it work." Up, but I like the change. But but I like I the fact know. that this team made changes. Uh, yeah, they made changes. But I'm not saying blow, blow it up. I'm saying changes that make sense. I, and and hey, listen. The QB change is taking a chance, but I like it. But the problem is, that, yeah, that that's the biggest one. But but you look at like the nucleus of that team: Hutch, Kevin, Jared, Antoine, yeah, all the guys. They were older players. You look at this group: Harrison, Xavier, Linval. Ever, they're not ancient, right? They're not thirty-five, thirty-seven years because old because they're doing a good job too. Exactly. So of, of that's the allowing guys to go. That's the difference. The B Rob cut to me was very it was very telling of where this franchise is now because in 2010 or heck in 2015 he he doesn't get sure. cut. They don't cut him for sure. But they're now at a stage where I think they're confident enough. And the thing I like too is this team has clearly made a decision, especially on defense. If we're developing a player. And so now the decision comes, do we keep the aging player or the developing player? I think now they're at the point where they almost default to the developing player, mm-hmm. and that's very smart because because the loyalty card, to which I think Zim is probably big on, is probably hard not to play, and he didn't play it here. Yeah, and, and Spielman has said this a couple times. I know he said it to me privately or, or uh, when I was doing a column that you have to know a year before versus a year after on a player. And that that's the tricky part in the yeah, NFL in terms of when to pull when to pull the the plug a year before versus a year after and you know everybody loves Brian Robinson he's a great person he's done great things for for the organization but if you feel like you're going to get close to the same production out of a young guy who's ten years younger yep. you're going to go that way and I'll give time. you I'll give you one name and I like the guy a lot but it pro- they probably were loyal for one year too long Chad Greenway. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, I like Chad a lot. Especially Chad's, when they're taking pay cuts. Yeah. Well, right. But I think with Chad, I think if you went back and asked that entire camp, would you do it again the same way? I think they'd probably say that that second to last year, in fairness to both sides, probably should have been last year. It's hard, though, when you have a, a, just an outstanding quality person like that. Absolutely. Who's done so much for your organization, not only on the field, but in the community. Absolutely. It's hard to, to do that. All right, let's take a break. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd for hour one at least. Zolgad, Scoggins, and uh, Chris Long of Channel 5 to join next. Oh, yeah. Week one uh, tonight, we've got uh, the Falcons at Philadelphia. Vikings, obviously, Sunday against San Francisco. Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Chris Long, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Morning. I'm not. I'm, nice to I'm, see you. I'm under the weather. If I sound a little croakier and coarse, than no, you sound fine. You sound fine. Picked up a pretty good cold over the weekend. Okay, so contribute. Through. Contribute on the air. Yeah. What, what you were saying off the air because I love this. As I'm driving in, and you guys were running down the multitude, the phone books worth of Viking quarterbacks that we've seen in the last. Uh, and here is several. the list, by the yeah, way. It's unbelievable. I did it this morning. It's hilarious. The one that jumped out for me was the peak. Uh, Viking quarterbackdom for me in my since I returned to Minnesota in 2010 was when we sat down in the press box at Lambeau Field and were handed the inactive list, and Christian Ponder was on for a playoff game, and we realized Joe Webb was about to start a playoff game <laughs> at Lambeau Field, and you guys made the great point that w- the reason we were all blindsided is Chip said it. We, we were yep. so focused on what Adrian Peterson had been doing that season. You just never thought, oh, yeah, Christian Bonner might have gotten killed in that last yeah. regular season game and might not play, and he didn't. And Joe Webb started a playoff game. That was the first playoff game I got to cover. So Is all, it really? I was all excited. Well, since coming back. That wasn't much. When I was no. in Duluth, I got to do the 99 game Okay. And all that. Oh, you didn't get much then. No, well, memories. <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay, man. House yeah, of Horrors at times. Uh, yeah, when you saw Ponder warming up and he was throwing pop-ups that day, you're like, eh, he's not going to be able to play. And here comes Joe. All right, so Chris, back to you now. The, the question I asked mm. Chip: This is as confident. And if you if you go back to the start of 2010, so yeah. let's forget all the crap because it was terrible. But at the start of that year, we all thought to ourselves: This is a Super Bowl type team that uh, at the time returned all. It started from 2009. What is your confidence like in this team compared to that one as far as expectations go? Well, here's what's interesting because I came in after that year. Okay. Um, I moved up two weeks after that Super Bowl that would have been the Vikings instead was the, the, the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when Favre came back, when the, the covert ops were sent down to Kin to grab him. I don't know what you're talking about. They were just working on kicks. <laughs> right. Specialty kicks. Give me, um, give me plays, damn it. First thing <laughs> I remember is, get the story right. this is about the silliest thing I've ever been part of in my life. But I just remember, Brett's back. Yep. One more go. Mm-hmm. It was a different feel because I think you nailed it. When I think that team, you realized they were on. The reason Favre had to come back is the window was closing mm-hmm. quickly. And it, it, I, I guess you look back, if you do revisionist history, you wonder if Favre had said, you know what, I'm good. I'm done. Could they have blown it up and sort of recovered more quickly? And we wouldn't be having this conversation about the, the strangeness over the, the eight years in between that and last year's success. Um, I think it was that one more ride, not just for Favre, for the, that whole team. Uh, and boy, just for sure, just overshot. <clears throat> we did it. 
The coaching no. staff did it. The management did it. The fans did it. I, the odds makers did it. I think it's hard, and and that's, um, I compare it a lot to like what the Lynx are going through right now. When you have a new nu- and they're winning championships, so it's different. But when you have a nucleus that you've a veterans that you know, okay, their best days are probably behind them, but you're, there's still something there, and we want to ride this you're until right. you until the wheels fall off. In the NFL, it's hard, and it goes back to what we were talking about with Spielman is identifying a year bef- a year early versus a year late, and that's probably the hardest thing to do in the NFL in building your roster because you do build an emotional attachment, especially with guys you draft, especially guys who've been with you and won a lot of games, who are good locker room guys, who are good in the community. So it's not easy to say, you know what, uh, we love you, but we think you're going to hit a cliff this year, so we're going to rebuild. That I mean, that that's a hard thing. It's easy for us to sit here and do, but I, I'm guessing when you're in the in their position, it's probably hard to say we we need to turn the page on this guy because um, you know a year from now he's not going to be the same guy. And so I, I understand their philosophy. I don't know if they want to do it again, and so I think that's going to be the next challenge with this nucleus in this group that they have because there's a big there's eight to ten in that core they have the big contracts of figuring out okay when are they going to hit their their cliff so to speak how much did adrian peterson stunt the growth of the franchise i mean that's in terms of <laughs> well, offensive scheme where think, they were so slow to adopt ground and yeah. to lose ground and pound it, it, when the rest of the league did. it definitely yeah. did some and and part of the problem was uh in that scenario chris i think was the Vikings didn't keep up offensively with the evolution of the league. And so they, because Adrian, you know. Because the, of but, Peterson's talent, I think. But his lack of development, too, in terms sure. of being a, a complete but running back. The one thing I will give him is there was a time, as much as, as his uh, lack of being a complete player frustrated us, or me specifically, there was a time where he was phenomenal off the charts. You well, gave him the ball. But, but yes, as time went on, I do agree. The Vikings did not necessarily adapt, and the game was going away from what Adrian did probably best. It's hard because you watched that two, 2012 season, and you you wouldn't say, "Boy, he's holding this team back." He dragged them to the playoffs. I mean, right. he put it. I mean, yeah. they had a good defense, but um, I mean, he dragged that offense. And so, yep. to to go back and say, "God, he held the organization back," I don't think he can say that. Now he didn't become a complete player, and they were slow to evolve in terms of. You can't just have an offense where it's run on first down, run on second down, throw on third, and that's sort of the fell in that trap because you had Peterson. He was really, really good at one thing, but then you had to take him off the field on third down, and so it kind of stunted their their growth that way. And when then you hit the black hole of injury and suspension, and when oh, he yeah. came out on the other end, yeah, that's a whole different, yeah, that right, yeah. So that goes, yeah. but that plays to your one year earlier rather than one year later, yeah. Again, revisionist history. But you couldn't account for that. No. Yeah. If the Vikings had said when he got his suspension, we're good. We're going to move on. Who knows? how? They, do they pull out of that quicker? Right or wrong for how this year turns out, here's the thing I like about this franchise now, and here's the mistake that they made with the Wilfs for years. They've got the exact right system in place mm-hmm. to make the correct roster moves. Mm-hmm. And by that, 100%. I mean this. If Zimmer was in charge of the roster, cutting Robinson would have been a bear because, one, he loves him, so that's tough. Two, if he's in charge of the roster, he has to then go into that locker room and foster a goodwill among his players. I've got your back. And they're all like, well, you just cut an 11-year veteran, you SOB. And this is why, and, and this is the problem with the Wolves now, 
And this was the problem with Childress when, when he had control of the 53. This is the right system. Mm-hmm. Because the Robinson cut, all of these decisions, if Mike wants, Mike can say, the guy who who mandated this to a large degree is upstairs, Rick Spielman. Yeah. This, this is why the GM coach system is the smartest system, and you can't have a coach in charge of a roster because it puts him in an he. It's, at that point, no win because he's got to answer to his players, and yet he also has to make the best decision for the personnel on his team. And that's the thing. Let's be honest. Zimmer has tremendous amount of sway and influence on who's... I mean, I, I do think him and, and him and Spillman have a pretty good relationship in terms of exactly what they're looking for in a roster. Now, are they always going to agree? Obviously not, but... Um, but he could, it, he it, could have vetoed the Robinson move. Probably, but it, yeah. but it does give him cover mm-hmm. to go in there, whether it's true or not, but right. to say, hey, we have a GM that makes those personnel decisions. My job is to coach you and get the best out of the 53. And so you have that built-in layer that if you don't have that, Man, it creates some awkward uh, circumstances or potential, you know, circumstances. Well, I don't think you see the forest for the trees. I mean, you can't. You are doing X's and O's, and your that X is that player in your head. That X on the left edge is Brian Robinson, and that's just how it's going to be. And it's hard to get out of that box. And you, you make a great point, Judd, with the thing with the Timberwolves. When Tom Thibodeau looks at what he wants to do, he sees specific players. It's starting to seem like those players are Jimmy Butler, the Wall Dang, and Joakim Noah, <laughs> instead of whomever the they, Bulls whomever day. maybe they should Pull be. Out the old Bulls roster, <laughs> right? And, and it, you wonder, just I've built this in my head around these guys, so if I can make it these guys and not have to try to teach some other person how to be that guy, but you're right, it does not work. Yeah, and the the problem too is is if you're a coach with ultimate control and power. Are you going to ever say to yourself, well, I could keep this 22-year-old kid around and get get rid of this this veteran who knows my system, you know, backwards and forwards and can help me now? Or are you going to say, you know what, at every turn I'm going to try and win immediately. That's yeah. where and, That's, and that gets to Chip's point about Rick, yeah. which is is the one the one thing to what Chip said where Zim has cover is to say, gentlemen, Rick's making decisions for 2020. I'm trying yeah. to make them for 2018, but some, but somewhere along here, somebody does have to be responsible for for where this franchise is going. Because if we fall off the cliff in two years, we're all gone. <laughs> yeah, and it's it is it's sort of cliche, but it's true. Coaches worry about now. GMs worry about now, but they also have to yeah. worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just it's sometimes those are competing interests. The NFL is a keeper league. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But it's not but it's not for coaches cuz they're right. just saying how how do I win right now? Yeah. Right. And they don't care about 2020 where Spielman can say we love B-Rob and he's been a really great contributor and he's a really great guy Mike, but I've got but you've got this 22-year-old kid who's going to be pretty damn good and and if he's on Cleveland in 2 years that ain't going to help right. us. Yeah. Right. And that's where Tibbs has problems. Because clearly what Tibbs is just saying is, now, 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 now. It's like, no, but Tom, you're the president of basketball operations. Who, with a young team under you. Yeah. That you're yes. stomping on. Yeah. And you're not going to play them. They're all going to Des Moines. Half the team's going to be in, <laughs> right. in Des Moines. Let's uh, take a break. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd right now. Zolga, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune. Chris Long, Channel 5. Back after this. Judd right now, TCL Broadcast Studios, Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, and Chris Long, fresh back from his return. Not from fresh. South hey, Bend. Not fresh. I at could all. have told you that ain't Rocky to- Top, but it'll, it'll listen to it. 
We'll play it next. Rocky Top's up there. We'll play it next. Well, we it's ordinarily one of the best play, fight songs. I, I'm sorry. One I, of? That's, that's, <laughs> my, one that's my fault. I'm sorry, Chip. We one didn't play of? Rocky Top. Yeah, Judd? I think we just heard the best one. Wow. One of? Just throw down. Hey, go ahead. You guys duke it out. <laughs> one of. I'll just sit back and watch. It's up there. Top hmm. five. Well, what about the Gophers? Oh, never mind. Good one. Gophers? Good, good one. Was That's Colin, one of the great Wisconsin things about college football. Just the fight songs, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. You were at uh, in South Bend, yep. Notre Dame, Michigan on Saturday night. Um, I'm going to count it as my first visit to South Bend. It was my second. Yeah. But the first time I went was, what year was that? 2012 they played Alabama for the national championship. It was pouring. It was 45 degrees. We quite literally tailgated by standing under the tailgate of our car. Because it was pouring and miserable, <laughs> yeah, sure. and we just sort of went into the game, and it was survival, you know, fight or flight, body instincts. It was not an yeah. enjoyable experience, so that really didn't count. So this kind of was my first real trip to South Bend. It's uh, a Saturday on the fall, and a game day there is. It's got to be a bucket list if you care anything about college football or just having a good time and just seeing <laughs> how glorious a campus on a Saturday on a yeah. weekend. It's it's. As, were, as good as it gets, I'll say that. There were three of us, and two of us were big Notre Dame fans, and the other guy was just kind of there for the experience. And he was sort of the guy I was using as the barometer, and he was just, he must have said five times, like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, this is incredible, everything that goes and on. And the thing that's great about it is, like, and it, it, we talked about it last week, like, why I love college football. You can go to any place, you know, where, where it matters, where it's big, right. around the country, and it's different. But you get that same experience, that same being on a campus where there's a ton of people in the tailgates. So top, top five. If, if you guys were to put together a top five college football experience list for a poor guy, like a poor sap like me who's grown up here with Golden Gold yeah, football. I haven't been to that many. I've so, been to a lot. So I, I say I mean, the Notre Dame, Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee again. <laughs> and then you got the volunteers from Tennessee. I got to be honest with you. You go around a Big Ten. Penn State's fabulous. Ohio State's outstanding. Well, and then the SEC. Nebraska's incredible. And then the SEC, Georgia, Alabama. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, LSU at night. Um, and, he, you know. You know what it is? College towns. Yeah. Almost sure. any Oklahoma's great. Town. Texas is great. I mean, it's you go to a college town. I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're all different. But when you get there and you just see kind of that community and how they rally around that team, it's, you know. When I went to lottery, when I hit, when I went to a Powerball, I'm buying an RV. I've already told my wife, and she's on board. We're just each Saturday, we're going to pick a different spot. Awesome. Where are the kids going? Or are they not? no? They're on their own. <laughs> you can buy them an apartment. <laughs> you'll leave them the house, and you'll leave them the house. An apartment and a mom. And what dad a life back. that would be, right? Mom and dad will be back in a few years. That's right. Yeah, you could write a book. Take a sabbatical. Texas A and M. Take a sabbatical. Get a grant. Write a book. Clemson at night. You don't need oh Powerball. My goodness, Death Valley. I personally had a lot of fun in Madison myself. That's, yeah, Mad- that's one I'd recommend. I've, I've seen Mad- Madison. Murph doesn't too. remember it. He just no, had a lot that's of fun. Right. That's true. Uh, but it was it was pretty amazing to be in that. that you know, it's just a joke. You pop out of the tunnel and the line from Rudy pops in. You know, it's yeah. the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. It's just I've watched it on television since I was able to understand what college football was. And you know, last time I went in, we were in a parka and a poncho and freezing. It wasn't quite the same. Like, oh god, we got to go in. No, this was the first time I came out of the tunnel and looked around and went, "Oh wow!" Now yeah. I'll admit, it was a little. They've done so much to the stadium 
that it's yeah. different now. Yeah. It well, doesn't have that mm. kind of like the first time you went into Lambo after they put the both sides up. I didn't it. like it as much. That's, Agreed. That's true. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame's got now these four buildings, one on each side. It used to just be the little tiny bowl. Then they built the expansion that had a, a press box on one side and you couldn't see touchdown Jesus from the field anymore. Now there's sort of these that there's a jumbotron and yeah, sweet. Yeah, <laughs> the jumbotron was behind us. What drove me nuts is half the people in front of us kept standing up during the play to look what? backward at the yeah. jumbotron. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Oh, first of all, sit down if you're going to do that. And second yeah. of all, watch the game. You, you paid a lot of money for that seat. Um, so it's not, I'm sounding so precious here. It's even, you know, when I went six years ago, it's not quite what it was then, but it was still unbelievable. But, you know, the drumbeat goes on and progress and change, and I get it. But it wasn't, you know, what it was when you watch Rudy. It's yeah. not that anymore. Well, a lot of stadiums are. Of course. Gotta the one the, that, you got to make the money. You got to put the suites in. The right? one that chipped surprised me on years ago because I, I always thought it would be really cool. And he's like, it's not Michigan. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. It's massive, obviously. It's big. Um, but I don't. I didn't find it as intimidating as like Ohio State. Like there, you're like, whoa! This is this is gonna be. You ever been to the Rose Bowl? Yes. Uh, Same kind of thing. Uh, like the setting one, is incredible. Yeah. But you, I walked in and I went. I don't know. I I, uh, had, I had goosebumps. I mean, I was there for the Reggie Bush, uh, Vince Young Rose Bowl, and when that sun sets over those, oh, oh my god! My I was there explode. for a meaningless. But Rose Bowl. you know, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> At, uh, years ago, uh, Gophers played at Michigan, and they have a. A golf course right next to the stadium, and that's where they park all the cars. That's where they tailgate on the golf course. It's like twenty five bucks a pop. Get on there, and there's a big, huge window in the press box at the end of it, overlooking that, and it's right next to the uh, the, the visiting athletic director's uh, office. And I always like to go and stand there and watch the people tailgate and, and feel jealous um, before <laughs> the game. While I'm waiting, killing time, and, and Joel Maturi came out when he was the AD, and we we're just standing there looking, and then felt like there was a billion people there. Yeah. I remember looking at him, and it was like. Different, ain't it? This is, big, this, is, this is big money, huh? And we were thinking, how much do you think they make just on the parking yeah. of that on that golf course right there? It, it, I mean, the difference when you go to these places, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and you see just how important and how big and how many people and the money they bring in versus what you'll see on a, on a game day at the Gophers, it just feels night and day. And again, I go back to, now Columbus is kind of weird. Because I would argue Columbus is still a college town. I think so. It's a big city, but yeah. It's a big, yeah. co- those are all college towns. Yeah. And Minneapolis isn't. Right. It just isn't. Yeah. And and that's okay. You, you know, they got to find a different way to do it. It's yeah. not going to be, because yeah. that's a pilgrimage. Everybody like gets in the car and drives to South Bend, drives to, 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 to Happy Valley, drives to, I don't know how. What would you do here? I don't know. I mean, they've tried. They've tried a lot of different things. It's such a different challenge. Then I mean, I don't even know. I go to Nebraska. Go to Nebraska on a game day, and there's nothing else going on. I mean, the state shuts down for that, and so you're never ever going to get that here because there's so many other options and things going on. You know, the other interesting dynamic that struck me ages ago when, when I covered the Packers as well. I know that people come from around the state for for Vikings games and things. But I've never, growing up here, I've never gotten the true feeling that these that people flock from all over the state to see our teams or the golfers. Like, if you go oh, to a Packers I, game... I disagree on Vikings. Okay, but... Having that, lived out state, I, dis, I, I disagree. That, that might be true. But my point is, if you've got a tailgating environment or something like that, you know, 
at Lambeau, they're coming from Milwaukee, from Madison, because it's just coming to a small town. Uh, and and here I've I've always gotten the feeling, other than the Vikings, probably Chris, that it's a sort of a metropolitan crowd that it, they're coming from the metro, and so I've never felt that this is as big of a of a sports a, a state. Well, oh, that's true. You're not part of I the tailgate atmosphere. Is you have to drive. Yeah, at least a distance. Sure, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. Like for Gopher football, are people coming from Duluth no. or no, and I don't think they are. I don't know. Or Rochester. I don't, I don't think that's, they that's are. the one thing that's cool about Penn State, and it's hard to get into. Yeah, but when you land up on that mountain and then you're driving to campus, I mean, it is miles, rows of just RVs. People from all over come and park there. It's, it's the weekend. You'll get there on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon and. It seems like they've been there for two days. They're out there in the lawn throwing football well, and grilling. It's, it's remember, incredible. Yeah, and that's awesome. Even, it's awesome. Even that's incredible. Even that at Missouri, we got that because, and I can say for, we because Chip yeah. and I went there, everybody's coming in yeah. from St. Louis and Kansas City. I think that's the That's difference. what I'm talking about. No, and here you don't have if you're that. Taking the you light rail, if you're taking the light rail, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, yeah. not the or same. If you're coming yeah. from, like us, SLP, right. yeah. it really doesn't have the same character to it as if you're coming, like Chipper just said, from Duluth. 100%. But I do wonder if that's because of the College Town thing. Yeah, you oh, have to come yeah. from somewhere yes. else. There's not that it many is. people there. That's right? exactly it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't even know if I fault the golfers for that. Like, it would be nice if they won. Don't get me wrong. I'm not absolving them for the fact that, that the program is far too often bad. But as far as, like, how do you develop that dynamic on that campus, I I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I think I about, like, does the city let's, let's think similar, like Georgia Tech. I was going to say I exactly that one. Georgia Tech, what is their, their game? I, I, I or, can't or Texas. But do they have? Because Austin's do. But do they have that? Austin's, yeah, that's. But I. But are people doing that? Are people just coming to the town, or are people setting up shop at the stadium? I don't yeah. know because I've never. I been. think. I think more I like Georgia Tech, um, Northwestern, mm-hmm. places like that. And Northwestern's are, nothing, right? They're like, that's yeah. just. I, I've been to games there where you could count with yeah, your hand. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're. But if you're the Gophers, I mean, do you have a different, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they do sell lots and tailgate spots, but I mean, do you have a different dynamic to it? Do you shut down more? I, I don't know. Ah. I'll give you one that I know of that is an exception to city school. University of Washington is right there in Seattle yeah. and has yeah. a big on-campus pregame culture. Yeah, and just, it's, it's just it, going yeah, no, but here. it's not as, um, I, I, I don't uh, know, it has as many sporting options as, as we have here in maybe Atlanta. Well... Yeah, you you're Seahawks, right. No, you're right. You know. You're right. You're right. I don't know, it, but it, but it, Atlanta's tough. But I will say that is a though. unique challenge that that a lot of schools that are just they're the only show in town they don't have to deal with. You know, an NFL team, an NHL team, a pro. Right. You know, so I think the starting place is start winning a lot of games that and let's see what that happens. Helps. Make yeah. make a Rose Bowl, not it, not not in the BCS, but just make just make a Rose Bowl the year that it hosts a big, you know, that's got a Big Ten team in it. Let's start with that. Yeah, let's Win, start winning with, solves a lot. Of yeah, problems. let's let's start with somebody in Duluth saying, "Oh my God, go for football is good for the first time in my life, honey. Let's drive and see right. a game." Remember, just start there. Their teams contending for Division Two national championships. I don't care about your Duluth teams. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> care, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. care. Just telling you, they, I don't they care are, about you. St. Thomas is good too. Perhaps I should adopt. I'm just saying, if you want to go do the football thing, <laughs> but a drunk Catholic. If you want to go do a football thing, drive. 20. Now you're, oh, now you're advocating people leaving town to go up to Duluth. Drive to no. If you already live I mean, there, Duluth's you're going to drive 20 oh, minutes and watch that team but as the, opposed to two hours. To but you've got to incentivize people to want to go. Sure, like you've got to yeah. do something. This either with Fleck has to work, or at some time you've got to have people say that program is, might be worth watching because it's not fair. It, you, you certainly can't beg on people from Rochester for not coming to go for football games at this point because I don't. You know, 
Cherry Kill, Cherry Kill moved the needle. He won the hearts right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And then started winning on the field. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about whether that season was lightning in a bottle or whether that was the beginning of something. Mm-hmm. We'll never know, unfortunately. Um, you saw it. You saw people buying in a little bit. And I think if slash when P.J. Fleck starts to turn it around, you'll see it. I don't know that it will ever get to the hallowed culture, fan culture that we've talked about in these not, other places. No. Not in my lifetime, it won't. I, it, yeah. If it, it ever does, not in my lifetime. I, mean, yeah. I would be surprised. I don't know how, you, that's what I'm saying, I don't know how you yeah. would. Yeah. But yeah. you could still get it, so there's 50,000 people 50, there. Right. Seat and make right. it fun and, you know, right. a hot ticket. Here's, here's what makes me glum and sad. When they're playing Iowa, and they can't even sell that game out. Yeah. Wisconsin, they didn't sell it. Okay, that, but that's the type of stuff. And you used to be able to not get a ticket for those games. Correct. Yeah, that, but that makes me that makes me sad. Mm. Outdoor football, uh, you know, college football, outdoor, Saturday afternoon, and you're playing a border rival, and you can't sell out. That That's Yeah, I bad. looked it up, Judd. Last year, Wisconsin drew 47,000. Mm. You can't get 50,000 seat for uh, Wisconsin. Exactly. Did we, they, overshoot the... Romanticism of outdoor football, especially because those games, know, the Wisconsin games, late in the season. Do people look at it and go, "Oh no, man, it's going to be twenty degree." Uh. I'm not going to second. I mean, the game, the season's over by December. But I'm saying those two, yeah, but they it, can, play, it can be cold in November. But I mean, it's not play, like it's the golfers to me have played pretty consistently one pretty cold game per year. Yeah. But I don't, but Chris, I mean... The, Just asking the question. I wasn't, I wasn't saying. Here's my question, and here's what I want, and, and I don't know if, if this is possible, but I if I was the Vikings, I would move to do this. Big time college football preseason game in U.S. Bank Stadium, like Jerry World has. Yeah, yeah. but... And I'm not talking to go first game. But who would you get? Is it the draw? Or, I'm not talking to go first draw game. draw as Jerry World? I'm, yeah, just, I'm throwing it know. out there. Great stadium, right? You got to pay enough that it's. But it has to, to be sort of close to. Who, yeah. I mean, who who would you draw? Wisconsin, and uh, you got to pay them enough. I don't think they want to do that. You got to pay them enough to give up a home game. All I'm saying, we love all, you, Gophers, but we're going to host Wisconsin. All, all I'm <laughs> Michigan. All I'm, listen, yeah. you two. All I want is a really good college football game. I don't, game go well. I, I don't care. Let's be friends. I don't care if Mark Coyle hates me for it. All I want is a big time college football game in my town. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have that. We had a Super Bowl. We've got a Final Four. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's, I mean, come we on. just need curtains All from right. the stadium. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Take a break. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd right now. Zolgan, Scoggins, and Long. Now we're talking. Now we're happy. It's not bad. Now we're talking. I got you, Chip. Not bad. It's up there. <laughs> I just want to see Chip smile and hum along. And Chris Long try and... Tell no, me I'm, I'm all in on it. No, the Volunteer Navy is cool. By the way, that's one of the neatest things in college football. Your team on Saturday looked like there's some work to be done, but, yeah, you're, not su- you know but you're not surprised by that. I was not surprised, and there were actually were some positive signs. Hey, I, I wasn't God. expecting us to win, but uh, Will Greer, the, the quarterback for West Virginia, is legit. Mm-hmm. He's really good. He'll, he'll be a Heisman finalist probably, and he's he uh, he's good. So, But... Stuff to build on. Good or bad, what was the biggest surprise to, uh, to you guys of week one college, college football? football? Florida State. Florida State. Just, well, Miami and Florida State just yeah. run. Yeah. It, it was well, crazy. What Am I am I incorrect uh, as a college football fan, but not as hardcore as you two guys, is saying that uh, the play calling in that Florida State game offensively yeah. struck me as being very odd? Yeah, Willie Taggart. It was his first, uh, first game coach in there. He came from Oregon. It was not a well coached game by by Florida State. It, I mean, it was 
pretty alarming. And, um, you know, you're going to have some, obviously when you have a first year head coach, there's going to be a little bit of feeling out process, but man, they were bad. Yeah, it was, it was not good at all. A lot of feeling out. Yeah. They, they, they've got, <laughs> and by the way, that is what happens when, when you don't have competent either personnel or play calling in the red zone, that's the game that's, that yeah. happens. All last year, right? We we watched the Vikings, and I felt that we began to take it for granted that they were just going to score. And Shermer, play calling wise, it was fantastic. But I go back to it ain't easy. Well, wasn't no. that the Achilles heel of the Jerry Kill Gophers going back yes. to that? The yeah. red zone play calling was red zone play calling though. I, I do think is very difficult. Oh yeah, because you're in a confined space. It gets tougher and tougher. And uh, and if if you can do it, it's like, oh, of course you scored. You were inside the twenty. But then you watch teams that struggle, and you're like, oh boy, that that's not easy. Speaking of red zone, and we'll shift it back to the Gophers. I thought it was cool that you saw Seth Green run the Wildcat a couple times in there. <clears throat> I mean, good it, it, good it gives, luck tackling him. Well, and it gives oh. you have a quarterback, so now you you have the option of you have it on film that hey, this guy will run it. Hey, he might throw it too. Hundred percent, he'll throw a pass before he, week he'll six. throw it. Yeah, and, and so can you hit the intended target? It was, uh, you know, and and I assume that's going to help Rodney Smith at some point. It's going to help mm-hmm. the court, you know, just loosen things up and and keep defenses guessing, especially if you run him out there. That I, I thought they might throw it to him because he is big. When you oh, see him, yeah. he looks he's a big receiver. So I won't be surprised if he runs one, throws one, and catches one this year because he's. He's a great athlete. We've said it all along. He might not be a Big Ten quarterback, but he's definitely a versatile athlete. And so, you know, credit to uh, Kirk Sharaka and, and P.J. Fleck for saying, hey, let's maximize this. Yeah. Let's get as much as we can out of him. Someone asked a question. I can't remember if it was the post-game press conference or P.J.'s weekly in midweek. You know, oh, well, you kind of you use those two plays. You kind of, wow, you sort of show your car. Uh-uh. No, I think it's the opposite. Hundred percent, the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah, right. Now you give teams something to think about, and you've run a fake too. Yeah, there's. I think Seth Green. It's it's hard to do what they did. They took a kid who, let's face it, three years ago was committed to Oregon, which at the time was on top of the college football world, and we were drinking the Kool Aid here. Says, well, this kid might be one of the best high school quarterbacks we've ever seen around here. Transfers to Texas, goes through a little turmoil. You not only keep someone that's that athletically gifted in on campus. You find a way to use him. And that's mm-hmm. that's not easy to do in today's college football. I told Chip this l- last week. My biggest desire of this year for the Gophers is to see Fleck play calling and offensively now. Like where where that because last year that team personnel wise was so for lack of, of a better term bad couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, uh, this is the, but this is where but I get the fact that Fleck is a first class recruiter and rah rah type of guy. But I felt the one thing that we didn't really see at all last year was him as a football coach on game day. And this is my, so my desire now is let's see this stuff. Let's start to see it. And I realize it's not going to be the entire offense, but it it should be substantially more than what we saw in 2017. Yeah. The thing is it's, you're, you're sort of limited by your personnel. Last year they had bad quarterback play and no wide receivers outside of Tyler Johnson this year. You still have a freshman quarterback, so that might limit you a little bit, but their wide receiver core is completely different and a lot better when you, in terms of just pure athletes, when you're looking at Chris Ottman Bell and uh, Bateman and and uh, Douglas, you have options now versus, well, let's, if we don't get to Tyler Johnson, they can't throw the ball. And now you have four guys right. that you feel like you can throw the ball to. Never forget, P.J. Fleck was a receiver. Oh, right. That's Well, and last year had to paint him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, last well, year was... everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Watching that was painful. Touche. Yeah, good point. 
Thanks, boys. All right, yeah. boys. Scoggins and Long are done. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd will it will morph itself into Zolgad and Collar from the TCL Performance Center. Performance next.